You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life. We're joined now by author Jessica Thompson, the author of He Loved Them, Discovering Jesus' Heart for Sinners, Seekers, Doubters, and the Discouraged, and some other people just like you and me. And she is the author of several different books as well, and she is a conference speaker. And we are so glad to have you joining us this morning. As I understand it, Jessica, you make your home over in uh, the West Coast San Diego area. That's right. It's actually 5 a.m. for me. That's how much I wanted to get up and talk to you today, Steve, and to to talk to your (laughs) listeners about Jesus love. Jesus love means so much to me that I am up at 5 a.m. before the sun to talk about him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got to tell you, Pacific Beach, one of my favorite places to be, as well as La Jolla, and I'd give anything to be at Georgia's right now. (laughs) But I got to tell you, it's, it's fantastic to chat with you about this, because this is really, really important. Um, Many of us feel that we are at certain points before we come into a relationship with Jesus, maybe we feel that we are unforgivable. We say things like, you know, you don't know the things that I've done in my life, or you don't know the things that have happened to me. And it's an unfathomable mindset for us to say that this this person of Jesus who came, took on flesh, was crucified died, was raised again in the resurrection, and is now petitioning on my behalf with the Father, that this person could actually love me. What do you have to say, and what does Jesus, more importantly, have to say about that mindset? Yeah. Uh, you know, if you, and what this is what I did, I, I spent some time just looking only at the Gospels, the first four chapters of the New Testament, looking at the stories of Jesus and how he interacted with people. And I got to tell you, like, I came into this thinking, Jesus loved people, like, I get that. Um, but I walked away from it thinking, my goodness, the way he loved people. It was never abstract. Um, there was never someone that he was thought, oh, that person's too far, that person's outside the bounds of grace. Um, He went to the people that you would least expect, and he did it over and over and over again. And actually, the the title of my book comes from John, um, where he is at the very end of his life in John 13, he's talking to his disciples, it's right, um, right during the Last Supper, and the Bible describes Jesus this way. Um, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them until the end. And so looking at all the different types of people that he loved, um, and I think so often, like what you were saying, we feel like the only way that God or Jesus is going to love us is if we perform up to a certain standard. And then once we get to that standard, that's when his love sort of clicks on like a light switch. (laughs) And the truth of the matter is, Um, That light switch has been turned on from eternity past, and he already loves us. And and so for us to, I guess, for our light switch to be turned on and the lights to be turned on for us and for us to see, oh, he's already loving me in the middle of my discouragement, in the middle of my failure, in the middle of even my doubt, he's loving me. And we see 
uh, specific stories with even just those three circumstances in the Gospels. And I, and I talk about even those, love Jesus' lovingness in our doubt, in our discouragement, in our failure. Um, I talk about those in the book because he just went to everybody. He spread his love um, wide <laughs> and uh, loved all those he came in contact with. Well, one of the things I like best about your book is the way that you've broken up the chapters. You've really got kind of people groups that you kind of put folks into. And we all grow up this way, our middle school experience, right? We're either the drama kids, we're the we're the jocks, we're the we're used to being put into pigeonholes, right? And so when we look at society though, what we what we really see is people who are maybe they're discouraged. Maybe they are feeling forgotten and outcast. Mm-hmm. And you work your way through these different people groups, and you have all these examples for where Jesus entered into those stories. So just as God's heart, though, breaks for us and we grieve the Holy Spirit, how does Jesus care for us? How does he care for the discouraged, the marginalized, the outcast, yeah. and the forgotten? I mean— one of the things that I see over and over again is Jesus goes straight to that person and he speaks straight into the way that they're feeling. Um, a lot of times if someone's discouraged or um, if someone seems sad, and this is my tendency around me, I will just uh, ignore it. I don't want to talk about it with them. I don't want to bring it up um, for a couple of reasons. It's a little awkward. And maybe I I don't want them to have to think about it more, so I try to ignore it with them or for them. Um, But that's not the way Jesus was. Uh, The Bible talks about how he feels things with us. So when he looked out and saw the people that were distressed or discouraged, the Bible talks about how he had compassion on them. And over and over again, I see in all these different circumstances how his heart yearns to be close to those who are in pain. Um, it's like our pain is a magnet for his love. <laughs> and he just draws near to us. And then doesn't just draw near and is like a cool friend to hang out with and chill with when we're sad. It's not just that. He draws near to us and, and his presence heals us. And it addresses the ways that we're suffering. And so he loves us um, specifically in the ways we need to be loved. And he comes to us in the ways we need to be um, attended to. And so that's what's so beautiful about Jesus. He's not just a loving Savior. He's a personal Savior. And he feels our emotions with us. In fact, Hebrews talks about how he still feels those things with us. In Hebrews 4, it says he's a high priest who's able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. Um, That word in there, sympathize, Charles Spurgeon talks about how that means if you put two pianos in one room and you hit a note on one, that same string vibrates in the other piano. So when when I feel something, when I'm in pain, Jesus sympathizes with me in that, and he feels it to his very core. And I think a lot of times we might think of God as stoic, or maybe Jesus, maybe Jesus cares, but he's still a little bit far off. And all these stories um, throughout this book throughout the Gospels, tell us over and over again, no, 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 no. He feels it intimately with you and loves you in the middle of the darkest points of your life. 
Well, let's rest in that for a second, because you say, you know, I, I love that Spurgeon example that when one, you know, when one note resonates, the vibration of that frequency occurs in the other. And you're marrying that together with the hurting and then Christ himself. So one of the things that we have all, I think, universally felt at one point in our life is forgotten or invisible. How does Jesus enter into that picture and really love on the hurting and the forgotten who feel invisible? What's the example there? Yeah, so you look at Matthew 25, and Jesus talks about Whatever you do unto the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you do unto me. And here's what's cool about this. So not only does he just enter into it, he's saying all those people who feel forgotten, whatever you do unto them, you're doing it to me too. So he's like that really amazing big brother who comes along and says, you mess with my kids, you mess with my family, I mean, you mess with me. He's like that protective older brother who throws his arm around um, a younger sister or a younger brother and says, don't touch them. So it's not just, (laughs) it's not just that he sees us when we feel invisible. And my goodness, that is the worst feeling, to feel invisible, to feel forgotten. It's not just that he sees us, but that he protects us in that. He identifies with us in that. He came to be the one who was forgotten. He came to be the one who was the outcast. And in fact, when he was dying on the cross, he says, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he did that, Steve. He cried that out because he took upon him himself our sins. He cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that we would never have to. And so in our moments of feeling forgotten and forsaken and being the outcast, which we all feel, um, even in those moments, Jesus is near. Jesus is saying, I felt that for you, and you can know without a shadow of a doubt, God will never forsake you or forget you. Well, Jessica, this is interesting because this puts us into a, oh boy, it puts us in a quandary, doesn't it? Because we all also come across people who feel invisible, who do feel separated. And then we we go back to that. We, We think of that Matthew 25, 40. Truly, I say to you, when you did this for the least of one of my brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Well, there's an action. It calls us to action. So then, well, how do we do like Jesus did in our everyday interactions? How do we love like Jesus did? Well, I think one of the first things we do is we see the image of God in other people, and we, we learn that a person, a human being, no matter what they've done, no matter how they look, no matter if that very moment that we happen to look over at them, they're doing something horrible. When we look at that person, we see an image bearer of God, a marred image, yes, so are we, by the way, (laughs) but still an image of God. And so when we look at the other people, we stop otherizing them. In order to believe that Jesus loves us, we have to believe, wow, Jesus loves some pretty screwed up people. (laughs) And so for us to believe that and then look at that other person and say, "Um, I'm going to look, I'm going to 
by God's grace, by the work of the Holy Spirit, I want to look past all those other things, and I want to look and see what Jesus sees, which is a family member, um, which is someone who bears the image of God. And so as I look at them, um, my heart will learn to, by the work of the Holy Spirit, my heart will learn that instead of placing that person in the category different than me, um, I will instead place them in the category the same as me. Learn to talk to them, learn to see their humanness, give them value and dignity. And my goodness, that is difficult. Um, and when we fail at it, because we will, then we return again to the love of Jesus for sinners, the love of Jesus for people who need forgiveness, and then we try again. Um, so yeah, that's hard. <laughs> and that's a difficult thing to be talking about first thing in the morning, but I'm telling you that it is what he calls us to. He says, what you've done to the least of these you've done to me. So when we have eyes today to see people around us who are hurting, who are outcasts, maybe people we normally wouldn't talk to, we should remember this verse. Jesus came to us as an outcast, and we go to them as an outcast, all in the hopes that as we do that, we are spreading the love of Jesus. We're talking about how Jesus loved those who were on the periphery as well as the mainstream. Doubters, people who were discouraged, even those who denied him. How about those who were in danger and persecuted? What about those who needed healing? And the rule followers, and those who even betrayed and hated him. Jesus loved them all. But one group of people in particular that we see Jesus interact with so frequently are the outcast. It's not just people who may be forgotten or sidelined and marginalized, but those who have been intentionally placed on the periphery, outcast from the mainstream. Uh, you know, as I'm thinking about this, Jessica, you cite Luke 5, right? Whoever needs a doctor, healthy or sick, uh, here, uh, I'm here inviting the outsiders, not the insiders. It's an invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. He says uh, it's not just the people on the inside. It's not just those who are in the mainstream, not just those who are with me. I'm here for those who even our society says are not worthy. And that's much different than being forgotten, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, an, it's a purposeful moving someone to the outside. And you see this story perfectly displayed. Um, and this story might be familiar to some of your listeners, but with the woman at the well. Yeah. Uh, Jesus is at a well in the middle of the day in Samaria. And this woman, a Samaritan woman, who is like the Samaritans and Jews did not get along. The Samaritan woman comes out in the heat of the day to draw her water. You know, there's a lot, there's been a lot of ink spilled about this woman. Um, but, but here's what we know for sure about her. She's not coming with the other women to draw her water. She's coming by herself in the middle of the day. Um, and there could be a lot of different reasons for that. Uh, we know that for sure. So she comes out in the middle of the day. We know that... Um, Jesus broke all kinds of rules, <laughs> which is, I love that about our Jesus. He broke all kinds of rules, and one of the rules that he broke was to be talking to a woman by herself. So not only was he talking to a woman by herself, but it was a Samaritan woman. Those are two strikes against her. And then as they talk, we find out the third strike against her <laughs> in our eyes, and that's that she's not living with her husband. 
she's just living, um, and a matter of fact, she sees Jesus says, you've had several husbands, and the man you're living with is not even your husband. So, you know, a lot of people have inferred that because she, you know, did not follow the social norms and, and had been married several times, she was not living with her husband, that maybe she felt like an outcast. And that's why she was drawing her water in the middle of the day. So this would be someone that you would think typically Jesus wouldn't talk to either. And yet, here he is engaging in conversation with her. Here he is speaking to her pain. And here he is, and this to me is wild. Here he is. This is the first person that Jesus says to in his whole ministry. This is the first person that he confirms, I am the one you're looking for. I am the Messiah. This is the first time he reveals this beautiful truth to anyone. And it's to this woman who feels like she can't be around the other women, who comes out in the middle of the day, draws her water. It's to this woman who's living with a man who's not her husband. And that's the one Jesus says, yep, this is the one I'm going to reveal myself to. The very first one. (laughs) So opposite than the way that we think and the way that we operate. We would think, I'm going to wait and reveal this to someone who has power, someone who is (laughs) well-liked, someone who influences people, and that's not the way Jesus operates. He goes to the outcast, and he says, you're the one I'm going to trust with this secret. You're the one I'm going to want going out and telling people, I have found him. I found the Messiah. And sure enough, that's what she did. She was the one that went out to fold everybody. This is a man. Come see the man who told me everything I've ever done. He's the Messiah. So Jesus not only talks to the outcast, but is in relationship with and reveals himself to the outcast. Well, one of the important things about this story is, you know, in her being outcast by others around her, she goes to a place where she needs to go. But I think that there, too, is also something metaphorical about that well. There is something that we all turn to. For some people, you know, feeling outcast, where do we we turn inward to the secret places um, where our sin is? And you know, whether that's going to be food or that's going to be drugs or alcohol, sex or pornography, we all turn to that metaphorical well for some type of comfort. But that's where Jesus meets us. Just as he was there, the place of shame, she went in the high afternoon, scorching sun to go and get the water when no one else would be around. And that's where Jesus meets her. Jesus meets us in those scorching places, the places where we don't want to be seen by others, where we feel this is the only place that I can go and find solace. And then one day, huh, oh, there's Jesus. Talk a little bit about that. Where are some of the places that we, just as people, where do we go to seek solace that's outside of Christ? Yeah, I mean, we are addicted to social media, I will say that. Uh, Not everybody, right? But some people go to social media and just get numb there. Uh, Some people go to exercise. So while, you know, some people go to food, some people go to exercise. Uh, Some people go to doing good work. And even there, we go to good work, doing good work so we can feel better about ourselves. Uh, Honestly, we will go anywhere (laughs) except to where we need to go, which is to Jesus. Um, 
and it's there. And it's so interesting, right? Like what you're talking about, she goes because she needs to get that water. It's the very thing she needs. And he says to her, I am the water you're looking for. So he says to us, in all of the ways that we numb ourselves, try to anesthetize ourselves to pain, and all the ways we try to distract ourselves, he comes to us and says, I'm the very thing you need. I'm actually what you're looking for, and I'm here, and I want to give myself to you. Isn't that so special? He meets us in that place, and then he does the work for us. He's the one who changes us. We just have to be willing to submit and give over ourselves, and that is just an incredibly important point. You know, Jessica, this is a really great conversation, and I want to point people again to where they can find information about you, but this is a Moody published book, and you can find that at moodybooks.org, but on the web, you'll be able to find information about uh, Jessica by going to Jessica Thompson. .co. That's where you find her webpage. You can also follow her on Twitter as well as Instagram and her writing. And then also, I, I feel that it's insufficient if we were to just close things up without prayer. And I'd like to give you the opportunity in prayer to share an encouragement of how we can do this work for those around us. Would you do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you for um, sending your only son into the world to live the life that we were called to live, to die the death that we deserve. Thank you that he sees us. Thank you that you see us. Thank you that you come to us. I pray that that would stir something in our hearts so that our lives would be turned outward that we would love our cities to life with the love that you have given to us. Just as your love has made us alive, help your love to work through us in our cities, in our neighborhoods, and even in our families. Help us to see people with new eyes today. Help Help us to see the way that we've been seen. Ones that are valuable and worth our dignity, those that bear the image of God and help us to love. Give us special eyes today to love and to see those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the Word to Life. 